It is Thursday, April 27th, 2023 on the prayer list. Uh, a fellow named Tom from Milwaukee uh, for blessings of wellness and restoration as he needs it. Uh, friend from Bland, Steve, his prayer list, he has a few uh, different concerns. I'm just mentioning that. Uh, there's a family in Texas, a sick loved one that he wanted to add. Definitely have Ellis uh, Hundley. Blessings for him. Uh, as he continues to get help for a, a cancer diagnosis he had. For our prayer team, uh, Kathleen, Gail, Ruby, Janice, Vassie, and Linda. Vassie's surrounded by women there. <laughs> um, our children and our grandchildren. Marcos for... His son, mm-hmm. salvation. Bella, blessings of strength and victory over addiction. She's been doing very well. Marta and Charles, uh, for blessings for their business and uh, for uh, Sebron, uh, their, I think it's Marta's nephew, I, I believe. And um, things have been improving for his situation in a court case over his children. Chuck Knipp and his dad Randolph. Bob's children, Stephanie and Mike, for salvation, unsaved family members. The gospel would go out and witnesses would show up. A neighbor, um, and um, her name is this Gail for, mm-hmm. for medical issues. <clears throat> the folks in Europe for peace. Our country's leaders to get saved. For Ray, Rex, Eric, Andrew, James, and John. Ray and Morgan, John Park, persecuted Christians, unsaved family members. Let's uh, join hands. Lord, we thank you so much for this time that we can fellowship and dig into your word and learn from it and be blessed by it. May your Holy Spirit teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. How's your finger been doing? I'm getting better moment. I can't close it past that point. But, but it's getting better. You I don't, like to think so. Well, you don't. It will. The body heals. If there's one thing I've learned, it's that. I still use it too much. I don't give it a chance to heal. I think i got the same glasses you got right there. Is well, it tenon, tenon problem also? They didn't say anything about that. It's just a fracture. Mm-hmm. Well, fractures heal. I'll tell you what, most of modern medicine ain't nothing but a scam. Well, it saved my bacon and told me I'd have been dead by now if I hadn't gone through a lot of radiation crap. I tell you that. Well, a lot of dead people that didn't do it. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 2. Numbers 2. The Lord spake unto Moses, and start at the beginning here, and unto Aaron, saying, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with, now that's going to be your flag, or your, your um, post with your the tribal or sign thereon shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch and on the east side okay you got your tabernacle in the middle on the east side toward the rising of the sun shall they of the standard of the camp of Judah pitch through their armies throughout their armies, and Nashon, the son of Amenadab, shall be captain of the children of Judah. And his host, and those that were numbered of them, were threescore and fourteen thousand and six hundred. Threescore and fourteen thousand. It's going to be seventy-four thousand six hundred. Scores, two. Twenty. 
So three score would be 60, and then adding 14,000 makes it 74, and then 600. Turbo, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> I'm just stretching my legs out and I keep gouging. I'm sorry, Turbo. Verse 5, And those that do pitch next unto him shall be the tribe of Issachar, Nathaniel, the son of Zuar, shall be captain of the children of Issachar, And his host and those that were numbered thereof were fifty and four thousand and four hundred. Fifty four thousand four hundred. Then the tribe of Zebulun and Eliab, the son of Helon, shall be captain of the children of Zebulon, and his host and those that were numbered thereof were fifty and seven thousand and four hundred. Fifty seven thousand. Four hundred. And all that were numbered in the camp of Judah were a hundred thousand and fourscore thousand. That's a hundred and eighty thousand and six hundred and four hundred. I'm sorry, and six thousand and four hundred. So a hundred thousand and four scores a hundred and eighty. 186,400. So it's 186,400. Verse 9. All that were numbered in the camp of Judah were 100,000 and fourscore thousand and 6,400 throughout their armies. These shall first set forth. Verse 10. On the south side shall be the standard of the camp of Reuben according to their armies. And the captain of the children of Reuben shall be Eliezer, the son of Shedeur, Shedeur, S-H-E-D-E-U-R. And his host and those that were numbered thereof were 40 and 6,500. And those which pitched by him shall be the tribe of Simeon, the captain of the children of Simeon shall be Shilumiel, Shilumiel, the son of Zerushaddai. And his host and those that were numbered of them were fifty and nine thousand and three hundred. Then the tribe of Gad and the captain of the sons of Gad shall be Elasaph, the son of Ruel. God's appointing leaders over these individual camps. And his host and those that were numbered of them were forty and five thousand and six hundred and fifty. All that were numbered in the camp of Reuben were a hundred thousand and fifty and one thousand, hundred and fifty one thousand four hundred and fifty. Hundred and fifty one thousand four fifty. Throughout their armies and they shall set forth in the second rank. So they're on the south. And uh, this is something that um, Chuck Messler had, had, had come up, and I know some of you have seen this. So um, 154,000, 150, and 151,400. Now that's the south. And then you got 186, 400. Verse 17, Then the tabernacle of the congregation shall set forward with the camp of the Levites in the midst of the camp as they encamp. So they shall set forward every man in his place by their standards. On the west side shall be the standard of the camp of Ephraim according to their armies, and the captain of the sons of Ephraim shall be Elishama, the son of Amihud, and his host and those that were numbered of them were 40,500. And by him shall be the tribe of Manasseh, and the captain of the children of Manasseh shall be Gamaliel, the son of Pedazur, and his host and those that were numbered of them were 30 and two thousand and two hundred. Then the tribe of Benjamin and the captain of the sons of Benjamin shall be 
Abedan, the son of Gedeonai. And his host and those that were numbered of them were thirty and five thousand and four hundred. All that were numbered of the camp of Ephraim were a hundred thousand and eight thousand and a hundred through their armies. Hundred and eight thousand one hundred. And they shall go forward in the third rank. The standard of the camp of Dan shall be on the north side by their armies, and the captain of the children of Dan shall be Ahiazer, the son of Amishadai. And his son and those that were numbered of them were threescore and two thousand and seven hundred. Sixty-two thousand seven hundred. And those that encamp by him shall be the tribe of Asher, and the captain of the children of Asher shall be Pagiel, the son of Okran, and his host, and those that were numbered of them were forty and one thousand and five hundred. Then the tribe of Naphtali, and the captain of the children of Naphtali shall be, thank you, babe, Ahira, the son of Enan, and his host and those that were numbered of them were fifty and three thousand and four hundred. And they that were numbered in the camp of Dan were a hundred thousand and fifty and seven thousand and six hundred. They shall go hindmost with their standards. Verse 32. These are those which were numbered of the children of Israel by the house of their fathers. All those that were numbered of the camps throughout their hosts were six hundred thousand and three thousand and five hundred and fifty. But the Levites were not numbered among the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses. And the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they pitched their standards, and so they set forth everyone to their families. Um, I don't know who noticed this um, first, but... um, you know, from the eastern sky, the shape of of this encampment, you know, proportionally looks a lot like the Christian cross. When the Lord returns, he does return from the eastern sky. And, um, you know, you just wonder. I mean, he obviously had this in mind when he told them to camp this particular way. I know who the first one was to see that. I heard it from Chuck Missler. You think he was the one or somebody before? No, no. It was uh, um, uh, Balaam, the prophet, the false prophet Balaam. Right. Okay, he stood on the mountain and looked down and then he couldn't prophesy against Israel like the king wanted him to. Right. So he went to another place and looked down where he could see more of them. Yeah. He saw it then. He saw even the the, 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 the torches that would have been burning at night looking down. And God sees this. It's been a long time since I shared that, and I thought it would be a good time to bring it back up. Little things like that hidden throughout the Bible. The fact that Christ is spoken of from the very beginning in Genesis. Let us create man in our image. So, you know, these other uh, so-called holy books, the Muslim Koran and whatever it is that the uh, Indian, Eastern Indian religions... um, read and go by none of them has perfect prophecy in them the bible is borne out by the prophecy that's in it and when people are faced with um, things like the fulfillment of israel coming back as a nation 
They want to look away from that if they're not in Christ. If they don't have the Holy Spirit, they most tend to want to look away from it. Simply because if that were true, then that means the Bible is true, and that means there is a God, and that means they're going to be accountable to him. There are lots of other paradigms and parallels in the Old Testament pointing toward Christ. Look in the Psalms. Now, did Jesus from the cross utter, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He did. Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. Yeah. He, he had become sin. He had become the sin of the world. What psalm are you in? 22 is where I'm going to go. And um, throughout the Old Testament, the sacrifices of the perfect animals. Passover was kept with a perfect lamb. It had to be perfect. And every time, every year, on that particular season, they sacrificed the perfect lamb. That's a picture of Christ sacrificing, honestly, himself, of course, for our sin. To cover our sin, what we have done. There were other animals that were offered in sacrifice in the Old Testament. All of it pointing to the fact that there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of innocent blood. And maybe it is that um, God intended, of course, the entire time to, to come himself. He became sin. He who had not sinned became sin and bore the punishment. If you think about your own children, and if one of them were caught up in a, a terrible crime and was going to be put to death, I believe most of us if you could get the courts to agree, most of us fathers would say, take me, let my son live. I think he's learned a lesson. I want to be the one that pays this penalty. Take me. I believe most fathers would do that. And this is what God did. He said, you all are going to sin. You all are going to get out of control with your sin." But if you will simply accept my offer for salvation and realize that your sin has been paid for by the one who loves you more than you could ever love anyone, God has more capacity to love than, than people do. So from the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus said that. He's talking to the Father, which he and his body, you know, we're three, we've talked about this. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're body, soul, and spirit. It says we're made in his image, so we have a body and a soul and a spirit. Our spirit is dead until God makes it alive by making it part of him. He says, I will be in them, and they will be in me. Can I ask a question before I wind up forgetting? How are the present-day Jewish people, how are their sins taken care of without the shedding of blood? How, how do they deal with that? Well, they, if they'll accept the Messiah, it was his blood shed that saved them. Now, if they're part of the remnant that's spoken of in Romans 11, this is controversial, and um, I understand that. 
but they'll get saved the same way the Old Testament saints got saved. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Aaron, all of them. They did not go to God the Father when they died, right? They could not. Because the only way to God the Father is through Christ. And, you know, we talked last week, Jesus said to Philip in John chapter 14, Philip saying, show us the Father. And that should suffice. And Jesus looked at him and said, Philip, have I been with you all this time? And you still don't know me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But isn't that a direct <clears throat> denial of Jesus? I mean, they've had the opportunity. I mean, so Not if they're this, held in blindness. Well, the gift of salvation yeah, has appeared to everybody. I've been a, doing a lot of study about this lately because I, I was thinking, is it fair for Jews to be condemned when they're blinded? But actually, it goes back to the same thing that happened with Pharaoh. It says God hardened his heart, but not until he hardened his own heart. And he kept hardening his heart until God gave him over, just like in Romans 1. So the Jewish nation right now, as a nation, they're blinded, but not as individuals. Individuals can get saved and do. Many Jews have come to Christ. So, what I understand about the Messianic Jews. I think we should just go to Romans 11 here in a bit. And uh, and dig in there, but let's finish Psalm 22. <clears throat> my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me, and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered, they trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man, the approach, a, a reproach of men, and despised of people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him, let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. I was cast upon thee, from the womb, thou art my God, from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. You know, blood and water ran out of his side when they put that spear in him on the cross. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. He said from the cross, I, I thirst. Right? Mm-hmm. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They didn't break a bone. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Did they do that to Jesus? Yes, they did. The note here is Luke 23 and 34. But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth. For thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. 
in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born that he has done this. Many will be born and go to salvation. So this was written hundreds of years before Christ came to the cross and did what he did. And there are so many fulfilled prophecies of Psalm 22 in the crucifixion of Jesus. Romans, um, I guess this is an easy thing to forget because it does come up pretty often. A lot of uh, preachers will not touch this. It doesn't make sense to them. And I'm not mocking anybody. I'm just, there's places in the Bible I haven't figured out yet. But um, what does Paul write in Romans 11 by inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Will you not... What the scripture saith of Elijah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. They've not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. They've not worshipped a false god. 7,000. Now God said that in the time of Elijah. And then verse 5, it says, So even so then, at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. At this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And a lot of people say, oh, those are the ones that are Messianic Jews. Those are the ones that receive Christ as their Savior. You're going to find out a few verses later. No, they're not. Verse 6 says, And if by grace, then is it no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then is it no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. That's, I guess, an eloquent way of saying, you know, these people got, they, they got saved by grace. God had grace on them. Why do they need grace? Because they sin against Him, just like every other human being does. 
Verse 7, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them a, the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, and Paul was Jewish, and might save some of them. Well, he wanted the Jewish people to come to Christ. Verse 15, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, that thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. A lot of passages, and particularly in Paul's letters, seem to indicate that these letters were written to congregations which included people who were actually not saved. There's several places where he warns. You know, so if you fear, you should fear. If you're in the congregation and you're listening and you're not yet saved, these passages are, are a warning. Verse 22, Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God on them which fell. Severity, but toward thee, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. Thou also shall be cut off. Have they taken hold of the root yet? Are they grafted into the to the level that they wouldn't fall? That might indicate not yet, not yet. Who are they talking about here? Otherwise, you also will be cut off. I thought we're sealed until the day of redemption. These, this is what I just said. There are some of these passages that would indicate that. There is a warning. Uh, the book of Hebrews has a lot of them. Uh, Corinthians, both first and second, have. These are lukewarmers. Uh, yeah, maybe. Who's he uh, writing to? He's writing to the Romans, uh, the assembly of the Roman church in Rome. Yeah. Jewish converts in Rome. Well, it's and he's also thing. addressing the Gentiles here. Yeah, he's he uh he, well he's telling them I mean, they were broken off and you were grafted in, and the boat's not. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he's saying that the, that that if the church doesn't succeed, if you think that you're gonna get by with it, look at Israel. They're the chosen people, seven ways. Okay, and they were cut off, albeit temporarily during the age of grace. 
Yeah. But you're not going to be safe if you don't adhere to the doctrine of Christ. Well, that's right. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. Right. You know, in Acts 19, uh, Apollos was going around preaching, and he didn't even have the Holy Spirit, it said. Or that's late in chapter 18 of Acts. Yeah, he hadn't heard yet, had he? He just didn't know. And then the believers in chapter 19 said, well, they had had John's baptism, but not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When Paul asked them, he baptized the Holy Spirit. They said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Were they saved at that point? Not yet. They were trying. They were engaged. Could they have turned away and been lost like we read about in uh, Hebrews 6? Yes, they still could have. The outer court, inner court, inside the Holy of Holies. So a lot of these are in the inner court, they're in the congregation, but a lot of them can leave. You know, John chapter 6, verse 66, that's an easy one to remember the address of. Um, I'm going to keep, keep on in Romans 11, but John 6, verse 66. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They had been following him. So there's a, there's a conditioning period. There's a time when you could definitely turn away. Yeah, so, and the only ones that really, even, even the apostles that didn't leave the, the disciples, they didn't get it until after the resurrection. They didn't get what was going on. The right. only one that actually got it was Mary. Uh, well, Jesus in John chapter 20 gives the disciples the Holy Spirit. Right. And, and that would have sealed them for certain salvation that they could not lose. Um, <clears throat> and Judas wasn't among that them there. Right. Um, he n did not give Judas the Holy Spirit. So, um, verse 23, And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. The King James says graft. They didn't have a T in there. But I'm just saying grafted to make it more understandable from modern language. They'll be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were graft contrary to nature into a good olive tree, not a wild one, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be graft into their own olive tree? Messianic Jews, people who see that Christ is their Messiah, the Savior. Then he says this in verse 25, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness is in part, blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. That could not be said about anyone who was in Christ, right? If, if uh, as it concerns the gospel, they're your enemy. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For as you in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, the Jewish people, even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon them all. That's not sending them to hell. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. 
How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. The only way I've been able to make sense of that, you know, it says that Jesus led captivity out of some certain place. We know from Luke um, chapter 16, there is uh, Abraham's bosom. A place of comfort it's called. Or, or it should be understood to be. Abraham's bosom. Let's read this. Chapter 16 of Luke. And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. I'm sorry, that's not where I want to put in here. Put in verse 19. Uh, chapter 16, verse 19. There's another rich man. Here we go. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. He ate very well. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate. By the way, some people try to say this is a parable. It doesn't fit the um, pattern for a parable because Christ is naming Lazarus. He would have, if it were simply a parable, he would have said there was this poor man. He wouldn't have named him. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivedest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art in torment. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And we know Christ did rise from the dead. This place is not heaven where the throne of God is. But here is Abraham and Lazarus and all of the Old Testament saints in a place of comfort where they're comfortably and patiently waiting. I don't know if they recognize time passage. I don't know. But there they are. <clears throat> now, it says that um, 
Jesus led captivity out of there. You know, shortly before Christ was crucified and died, John the Baptist died. Now, John the Baptist did not go yet to God the Father because Christ had not accomplished what he came to do, the sacrifice of himself for the sins of everybody. Once and for all. You know, it talks in Hebrews about how, you know, in the uh, former times, they had to continually bring sacrifices. Lambs or goats or pigeons or doves. uh, Innocent animals who had done nothing wrong and slaughter them on the altar to have their sins forgiven. Well, that almost sounds cruel to somebody who's just coming to this whole understanding of how God has ordered things. It did to me. I guess you all know I'm not being saved yet. I was reading some of that. I said cutting pigeons' throats and sprinkling blood on the altars. I told my wife, I said, that sounds not like God. It sounds like Ozzy Osbourne. That's what I said. Which I honestly think Ozzy Osbourne will be in heaven he's he's got a very kind heart and soul he just i think he'll i think he'll make it um it says our best works though are like filthy rags yeah he's not going to make it by his works or i think you know when you you are drawn to christ um everybody is well let's let's look at matthew 12, I believe it is. That's right. Make provision for everyone to be saved, but you have a choice. That's right. And I may not be in the right chapter. I got a quick, another question. I mean, when, behold, I tell you, mystery, not all shall die, but a moment, the twinkling of an eye. Now, these people that have been in a, are we getting a spiritual body at that particular time? In your at opinion? the time of the rapture? Yeah. No, because we'll be living, we won't need a, oh, you said spiritual body. Yeah. Uh, you will, you will be, you can appear as you are. Uh, Jared appeared during one of Christian's prayers and she wasn't even asking the Lord anything about it. And he just gave her, you know, a moment of blessed comfort and Jared didn't speak a word, but he communicated that mom, you just don't know how good this is. Really? That's great. Had you heard that? Uh-uh. It's been some time since that happened. Um, so he appeared at like some sort of apparition? Yeah. Well, it was, she was just imagining the throne of God. And, you know, you can't look right at his face. And she was praying. And um, she said, out of the blue, Jared comes around the throne with a beautiful smile. You know, God did that for her. She really has, <clears throat> you know, so many people. We're like, well, it'll hit her. Well, she's in denial. Oh, it's going to hit her sooner or later. Yeah, mm-hmm. No, so bad, so bad. It didn't, what hit her was the peace of God that passes all understanding. She's like years in front of so many other people. Oh, I know that. And she's the whole reason there's even a family living here on 1065 Mountain View Drive. Um... I'm going to go to John instead of Matthew because I can't find that in Matthew. There's there's a few different places where um, it says this essentially. uh, Verse 43 in John 6. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not amongst yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. So God draws you to Jesus Christ. Why? 
is it like the Calvinist believes? He just sits up there and spins some cosmic lottery wheel and your number comes up? Of course not. Calvinism is, um, in my view, worse than Jehovah Witness because Calvinism masquerades as true Christian faith while blaspheming God worse than any other denomination or any other cult ever did. God draws you to him. He tells us not to miss that day of visitation. There's a day that happens where then you can start to <clears throat> clutch the Holy Spirit if you don't respond. Yeah, Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And he said, you're, you're the Christ. You know, and everyone will get that, that opportunity. But, you know, what you're doing in the meantime, you know, let's just imagine recess at elementary school. There's about a thousand hellions out there on the playground and the monkey bars and the swings and the merry-go-rounds and playing with balls and there's all kinds of them. And, and you want to sit there on the bleachers and watch them. You think, you know, uh, who who would I want to have working for me and my company when they come over and get out of school? And you watch how they act. You watch how they play. And you're going to see certain trends or tendencies in these young folks. And you can kind of tell how they're wired. And you might say uh, to uh, the principal, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pay for a scholarship for that little fellow there and then that young lady over there because uh, I watched them play and they warmed my heart. And I really believe that we have free will. We know that we do. And with the free will we have, we can, we can choose to do good and we can choose to do evil. We can share the kickball or whatever's been played with. We can give up uh, our seat at the swing set so that someone that's been waiting can get on that swing. Or we could sit there and put our foot out and kick a kid in the face for simply asking, can I have a turn? God watches us, all of us. And at some point, if we would simply realize that we are hopeless sinners who cannot stop sinning, we can't seem to help ourselves. That said, some people make a greater habit of it than others, but everybody sins. King David committed adultery and then committed murder to cover it up. Yet the Bible said God was a man after David was a man after God's own heart. So we are chosen at some point, but it's not again, it's not like the Calvinist thinks. God's watching us. He wants to see some humility. God hates pride. He hates pride. And the more he has helped me understand his way of thinking, the more I realize that he is for the underdog. He's for the one that doesn't think too much of himself or herself. He's for the one that looks in the mirror and says, my goodness, what a mess. I'm a sinner. Lord, help me. I'm a sinner. And if you say that in earnestness of heart, he'll be right there. Holy Spirit will say, are you serious about this? Because it's the Father's desire to draw you to Jesus Christ. But the way the scripture is written, not everyone is drawn. The grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men, Titus 
but most of them just roll their eyes and ignore it and say, if I go that route, I'm, I'm not going to be able to keep having an affair on my wife or I'm not going to be able to keep cheating at, at, uh, at poker. You know, I'm going to have to burn my porn collection. I ain't going to do it. But some will because there's a reward that is an eternal reward. You know, uh, Jacob and Esau. Jacob got his father's blessing. Esau traded it for a bowl of soup because he was hungry. Here is a picture of instant gratification. I want what I want right now. I don't want to wait on it. I don't care about this blessing you're talking about. That's going to be somewhere in the future. Right now, I'm hungry, and I want that bowl of uh, beef stew. That, unfortunately, is the way too many people live their lives. Instant gratification with no, no consideration of the future. We should always be asking ourselves, where do I want to be in five years? Five years from now, what do I want to have what do I, where do I want to be spiritually, most importantly, but where do I want to be as a patriarch of a family? Where do I want to be in my service to the Lord in five years? But most of us don't do that. And I've been bad about not doing that. I suspect we wouldn't have anything. I know we wouldn't have this house if it hadn't been for what Christians did. <clears throat> I was always needing a knot jerked in my tail to get busy and get and do something that you know good. But we want to look at five years down the road and see where we want to be. I'd actually like to be raptured and in heaven, but if the Lord's going to tarry and I'm not going to die in that length of time, I should be looking toward a better person then than I am now. Satan has really turned up the heat. He's pulled out all the stops. You can see what he's doing out there through government, through media, through advertising agencies, through large corporations. I'm encouraged that the majority of people seem to have said enough is enough. I think the Bud Light beer brand is dead. It will never get rid of that albatross. They'll have to come up with another brand and start back over again. They had the number one selling beer in the nation. By a good margin, they, they were the number one. I, I think that's not that way now. The stock in Coors has gone way up. People do care about these things. And this is not a Democrat-Republican thing. It's honestly, most liberals don't like that either. They feel like they have to toe the, you know, the mantra and toe the line. But if you get them in the right conversation, they'll shrug their shoulders and shake their head. Yeah, uh, maybe it wasn't a good idea. Putting a transgender fella thinks he's a woman or at least wants you to believe it. As a spokesperson for the largest beer company on the planet. The worst idea in corporate advertising history. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go down as that. So on the Romans 11 thing, these... Uh, that are part of the remnant and are held in blindness and these that are enemies of the gospel but beloved on the account of their fathers, where are they? I think they're where Lazarus was when he was at Abraham's bosom. They're there. There will once again be captivity let out and I believe it's going to be done by the two witnesses of Revelation 11. They die they did in the streets for three days and then they get up where are they where are their souls 
during those three days. Witnessing, proclaiming, in I believe that same place that Jesus led captivity out of. And many will be led out of there into salvation through Christ to God the Father. That is the only way that this makes sense. Can that soul I'm deliver sorry? a message? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what Jesus, he, he was the soul, you know, he was... Well, he was also in bodily form. Well, when he went in to, kept, when he went in to lead people out... Yeah. Um, he, he, he probably wasn't yet. Well, that's right, form. his body was in the grave, but... Yeah. Something interesting happened there. But anyway... Uh, he has glorified body. Yeah. Just like we will have. Just we'll be like him. But the remnant, the remains of his physical body raised up on the third day. And and the body wasn't there. It was gone. Was that different from the glorified body? No, it would be the glorified body. The first fruits of uh, those who were dead who are now who now live. He he conquered death. And he did it for everyone. So what appeared in Abraham's bosom after he went down to visit, released the captivity, the captives. How, what went down? What was it? His body was still in the grave. The body. Jesus. The body. No, no he, he was after. Resurrection. We don't know when. During the resurrection. Well, the three days that he was in the tomb, wasn't he at the same time preaching the gospel, the good news down in the? Very possibly. Uh, I don't recall seeing a, a, comp- a perfect timeline, but, you know, what about the transfiguration? The um, disciples saw Abraham, and, or they saw Moses and Elijah there with Christ. Right. You know, what, what, where those bodies come from? This, I believe, was a... He showed them a time that hadn't yet been um, at that point. But that you can do that, or Jesus, Lord, can do that. He, you know, look at the, all of the prophecy. Look at Revelation, where John, the, the the apostle, was shown many things from a time that had not yet been. So, um, the Jewish people always have, I think, most of them. Let's just put it that way. In the ones that are blinded in part. It, to me, it sounds like they're blinded from the gospel. and uh, But it says they'll be saved. All Israel will be saved. They're enemies of the gospel for your part, but don't boast against them. They're going to be saved. And that, that seems proper just in, you know, fair thinking. Let's just put it that way. And Calvinists blow a gasket when you start saying things like that. But... You know, we're made in God's image, and God is not unfair. God is 100% fair. He wouldn't blind somebody to, to the gospel, make them an enemy of the gospel for the benefit of another people group, namely the Gentiles, and then just cast the first group off into hell with no chance of salvation. Yeah, I think it goes back to the definition of what is Israel, because Paul defined what is Israel. All people that are Jewish are not of right. Israel. That's Just right. because they're their lineage, they're not. Uh, if you're the seed of Abraham, which we are, if we're believers, we're not Jewish, but we're counted as so. We're we're Israelites. Where he said, who, "Who is the true Israelite? Those that have faith in Christ." And and of course, the Jewish people have faith in Christ. But it's pretty clear that uh, only um, one third of Israel will be saved in the in the revelation. You know, two thirds are not going to believe, but the remnant will believe. Well, God's plan is very complex, and you know. However, everything we need to know to put the pieces together. We talked about it's like building a model. You know, you got to look at the instructions or you'll start making mistakes. 
you'll put something together with glue too early. We've all done that. And I mean, you know, if it's glue, you have a mess there. If it's just a barbecue grill, you could take it back apart and start over. <clears throat> but um, I, too many people want a uh, Cliff Notes version of the Bible. They really have no desire to really <clears throat> mine the depth of the treasure that's in the Word of God. Um, they run into a few little things they don't understand and they cast it aside. I say, well, Jesus loves me this, I know. And that is very important. Because if that weren't the case, there wouldn't be any point in reading this. But, you know, if you got a, a love letter from from your sweetheart, you got a stack of them that had accumulated while you were away, and maybe one of the envelopes just had a heart and I love you on it. And you just look at the whole stack. Oh, she loves me. Throw it in the trash. To me, that means you don't care about her. God sent us a lot to read. And, and, and has given us plenty of time to read it. Do we care about him? We need to. Because we've reached the age where this is about to all come to fruition. The rapture of the church and the great tribulation that follows. A little over an hour. Are you guys ready to close? Let's do it. Bob, please close us tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the provisions you've given us for salvation. We look toward the cross every day and put on the full armor of God to protect us through that day. And I'm so grateful, Lord, that uh, you've kept us all in this, this game of life that uh, we're in right now. With the guidance that you provide us, we search the scriptures with all our heart and truth to be shown. And Lord, I know that we're really, uh, when we search the scriptures, we can see the end time scenario unfolding before us. So Lord, we're grateful that you've given us the warnings and our great commission is to go out and teach and sh share that good news with anyone who has an ear to hear. And thank you, Lord, for giving us the mind to be able to do that. And thank you, Lord, Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay.